Blog Talk Radio. Oh, baby. Woo, daddy. Back at it again. It's another edition of the NFL Draft Bible Radio. I am your host, Rick Saratello, live on location from Chicago. Horse voice and all, because I was at Wrigley Field last night bringing a little New York Yankee baseball to the home of Chicago where we are just hours away from the upcoming 2015 NFL draft for the first time in 51 years back in Chi-Town, and we're back at it again. Can't stop, won't stop, baby. Woo! I am your host, Rick Saratella. We're going to be bringing you around the clock coverage from Chicago, NFLDraftBible.com, at NFLDraftBible. We're on Facebook. we got the live stream show. Check us out for all that information, latest mock drafts, top 100 rankings, and all that good stuff. But the purpose of today's show is to talk about the pre-draft smoke screens, rumors, news, and happenings that we need to know and are hearing with our ear to the ground. And to do that, we welcome in the NFL Draft Bible guru, Joe Everett himself, right now on the Million Dollar Draft Hotline. How are we doing today, Joseph? Amazing. It's the greatest day of the year, Rick. Two hours, 56 minutes away. You are in the Windy City. It's uh, it's just the time to be alive. This is what I look for more than Christmas. I don't care about my birthday. This is the day, man. Uh, great to be on <laughs> yeah, with you, dude. Right. Oh, yeah, baby. We waited 364 days for this, and, you know, I'm uh, going to just work through this show, work with me, Joe, because my voice ain't the greatest today, but... Uh, you know, since I've touched down in Chicago, it's been a whirlwind. Uh, yeah, I've been able to pick up a couple things here and there in terms of, you know, the Falcons trying to trade up for Amari Cooper, Dan Bradford possibly heading to the Cleveland Browns, uh, the number 12 pick becoming the, the uh, key to the Eagles-Titans deal now, they're saying. So uh, Chip Kelly trying to leave with Marcus Mariota, uh, maybe they'll walk out arm in arm. Who knows? But uh, it'd be hard to do because Marcus Mariota's in Hawaii. Uh, we did a bunch of interviews with players yesterday. You can check that out on our YouTube channel over at All Access Football. Lyle Collins uh, left the draft. Now he's being investigated for uh, he's not a suspect, but, but for a murder incident. And uh, let's start off right there, Joe, because, you know, this is a a crazy year for a red flag first-round prospect. I can't remember, since I've been covering the draft since 2002, I can't remember so many guys, so many high-profile guys that have red character flag issues, but at the same time are being considered for the first round, and maybe because they are first-round talents. And I want to start off with this question first. Out of all these guys, you know, you talk about Marcus Peters and Doriel Green Beckham, but more recently uh, Randy Gregory and then Shane Ray with his incident, and now Lyle Collins. Which prospect has done the most damage, in your opinion, to see their stock completely plummet? There might be some guys that slide out of the first round, but who's done the most damage, in your opinion, leading up to the draft in terms of these red flag character issues? And, you know, uh, even Jalen Collins could be thrown in that mix yeah. as well, Rick, with his uh, 
his usage uh, coming out during his career at LSU. But I, I think it's got to be Shane Ray. I just feel bad for Lyle Collins with this being so recent and he's not, you know, implicated. It's just being questioned and just what poor timing. But Shane Ray is just the trifecta. There were already questions about his size and then the medical issue uh, couldn't work out and do all those tests at the combine. We waited for the pro day and still it's this lingering toe concern. So already there's two flags up and then this pullover incident, which just screams idiot. I mean, I don't care about what you're doing, but like you have no business being on the road at that hour. And apparently he was all the way in the far left lane, just cruising at 55, not passing anybody. So he's asking to get pulled over like a, a dummy. So yeah, I think Shane Ray right now, he is, his draft stock is volatile. It's it's just downright toxic. So I, I don't think any team's going to touch him. Uh, I'm wondering if he falls out of the top 100 almost. I mean, obviously someone's wow. going to take the bait eventually, but I don't I don't think Shane Ray's a first rounder anymore at all. And uh, yeah, he's he's going to see his draft stock plummet just because. I don't know. We we always talk, Rick, about checking off the boxes. He has done the complete opposite of that. Well, you know, uh, yeah, good points. And, and, yeah, he could slide to day three. It wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me if a veteran team, like, uh, you know, I, I think I had him going to the Saints or, or maybe like the Patriots uh, veteran team maybe uh, see some value there. But how about a guy like Lyle Collins who – Yes, he's not a suspect, but uh, this is the shooting of his ex-girlfriend. And, you know, with the Aaron Hernandez news so fresh on our minds, and uh, I just find it hard to believe that any team would want something to do with this case because this is a case that could linger for months, if not years. There could be a trial. He could be asked to testify. I mean, the, the in-depth of this case, we're just scratching the surface. And now you're hearing talk that he wants out of the draft. I mean, the, the NFL, uh, you know, I don't know if he, they yanked him out of the draft or he left on voluntarily. But now there's talk that uh, his agent is, is asking for him to be submitted into the supplemental draft here just a few hours before the NFL draft. It's crazy to me uh, just that, you know, I know he's not a suspect, but what kind of people are you hanging out with here when you're just moments yeah. away from making boatloads of money? I don't get it. And I don't think, I think this is another guy that I'm not sure he even gets drafted. I, I, I can't see a team wanting to take this on, maybe sixth, seventh round. Hey, we'll take a flyer on the kid. But talk about costing yourself millions millions of dollars. I mean, I don't know. I can't get on board. I don't see any value with uh, bringing a kid like this into the organization. I'm curious to know what's your take. Is this another day three slider? I believe so. It's it's gonna. We're not gonna hear his name until uh, Saturday. But unless at all, if this supplemental uh, switch works out, which I have my doubts. You know, not only is the NFL pretty stringent on making exceptions, but this would be a first time. And what what kind of precedent would they be setting uh, this close to the draft, allowing someone to enter supplemental, especially a senior, uh, upperclassman? So right. I, I, 
that in itself, but more so than anything, I feel terrible for Collins. But you brought up a great point. What kind of company are you keeping? Uh, and and th- how close mm-hmm. are you to this? And in this post-Ray Rice era the NFL currently resides in, I don't think any GM's going to take that chance, especially, you know, day one is just off the limits right now. And I think you're right. It may just be until Saturday, uh, if at all. But you know what? The bottom line is just keeping it on the field. Let's keep it clean, folks. On the field, this guy, he could play guard. He could play tackle. He's got great feet excellent athleticism for a big man and it's just a shame he went from could have been a top 20 maybe top 15 pick uh, now yeah i think saturday now at the sake of uh their misfortune uh there's always uh someone's trash is someone else's gold right so um <laughs> you know and i you know i like what you said you know your, your parents always used to say you are who you hang with and you know, uh, I think uh, someone else's gold is, is Eli Harold uh, is the guy now. His draft stock just went up. Uh, how about Bud Dupree from Kentucky? I mean, I would imagine these guys are going to come off the board before your Shane Rays, possibly before even your Randy Gregory's. Uh, so, I mean, let's talk about these hybrid guys because there's already a ton of question marks surrounding their transition to the next level. Are they a 43-hand or a 34-backer? Uh, Shane Ray, uh, Randy Gregory, uh, Bud Dupree, and Eli Harold, those four guys, I mean, had, I think Dante Fowler is the first guy off the board. I think Vic Beasley is the second. But how do those four guys come off the board? In what order in terms of Gregory, Ray, Dupree, and Harold? Well, you know, before all this happened, I had Bud Dupree ranked really high, but, man, you're right, Rick. He should just send uh, Shane Ray and Randy Gregory Christmas Christmas cards. You know, thanks, guys. Appreciate the little bump in salary because he's, yeah, he's just by kicking back and staying out of trouble, uh, Bud Dupree's helped himself out a lot. But I, I think you're right. The guys that really benefit from this are the Eli Heralds, Daniel Hunters of the world, the guys that were fringe that may get that bump, and they're definitely on the map of those two. I'd probably think uh, side with you on Harold is, is the most upside of the rusher. But, yeah, as far as those guys, I, I still like uh, Bud Dupree the best just because he is a legit guy that could play with his hand in the ground if he goes to an even front I'm not worried and he could stand up I, I wouldn't be concerned I think he's scheme versatile and that's the guy that out of the top 10 players that from this class I'm so excited just to see where he lands because he's going to change a defense uh, wherever he goes he's just totally pro ready it's going to be a very interesting day, a very interesting draft, and I'm joined by Joe Everett, the NFL Draft Bible Guru, along with the host here, Rick Saratella, and the big talk, the big headline, the big news. It almost feels like the draft starts at pick number two this year, Joe, because who's going to land Marcus Mariota? It's the million-dollar question, or maybe it's the $20 million question, but uh, according to Jim Wyatt of the Nashville Tennessean, just moments ago, said the Eagles, Jets, Browns, and Rams have all been in contact with the Titans about moving up to that number one pick. Now, the Jets are obviously the closest, being at number six. The Browns have two first-round picks, and maybe Johnny Mandel they can throw in, so there's some assets there. Uh, And the Rams uh, 
could be, you know, trying to package something as well. And that could be a three-way deal with Bradford going to the Rams or the, or, I'm sorry, Bradford going to the Browns and the Eagles moving up to one or two. And, oh, my God, it's going so crazy. I can't even keep my head on straight. So, I mean, at the end of the day, which team is leaving Chicago with Marcus Mariota as their starting quarterback? It's got to be the Titans. And I don't care what kind really? of lip service. Yeah, I don't care what kind of lip service they're paying and who's saying what. If you don't have a quarterback, you don't have a quarterback. And you turn down Mariota, I just – Rustin Weber would have to be uh, crazy. I think right now, of course, he may be on his last leg anyway, so who cares. But uh, unless that super Philip Rivers trade, it's it's for certain. I just – I see them still drafting Mariota. It would be so difficult – to pass on the guy. He's got the hardware, and I don't think he's that spread quarterback. A lot of people say, hey, they got burnt on Jake Locker, who's that type of quarterback. Well, Mariota is so heads and shoulders above what Jake Locker was. Jake Locker was such a roll of the dice, and in that draft, you know, let's not get started on that lack of free agency, high quarterback, Christian Ponder, first-round draft. Um, I think Mariota's the real deal, and the Titans eventually, they've already come to their wits. They're just trying to see if they could make anybody budge and possibly pull off that Robert Griffin three-first-rounder deal. Because, you know, if someone poses that to them, though, I think that'd get them thinking. But outside of breaking the bank, you got to take Mariota, right? No, I, I think I think Chip Kelly is going to do everything in his power to 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 get Marcus Mariota because I believe yeah. that in in order for Chip Kelly to achieve maximum success in the NFL, in order for Marcus Mariota to achieve maximum success and reach his potential, max out that potential in the NFL, I think this is a match made in heaven. And I'm starting to believe that Chip Kelly's way won't work unless he has his guy at quarterback. So what I'm proposing to you, Joe, riddle me this one, put your GM thinking cap on, say Chip Kelly deals Sam Bradford to the Browns for one of their two first-round picks. Say they get that 12th or 13. I think they have 13 and 17 or 12 and 17. But let's say they get that early pick. And they also have number 20. So now what if I said I'm going to give you both first-round picks I'm going to give you my number one next year. Oh, and by the way, I'll throw in Sam Bradford to the deal. Yeah, it'd be tempting. I mean, of course, you got to admit, Sam Bradford's not looking like much other than a bag of bones. I mean, how long does he last? What does he give you ultimately? But those picks are enticing. I mean, I... I don't know if I'd do it with Tennessee. I mean, who is going to end up being the guy? Is it once Bradford gets hurt? Mettenberger, how many games did he win? Is still my my biggest argument about Tennessee just moving anywhere. I mean, I'd just be dead set on Mariota if I was them, but I, I don't doubt it, dude. I think I think Chip Kelly is going to put every last chip on the table. That's that's for certain. Yeah. Make a move for certain. Uh, all right, let's talk about that number three pick because I think for the longest time, everybody assumed Leonard Williams from USC would be the first player, first non-quarterback off the board. And you're hearing talk now that the Jaguars are split between Dante Fowler and Amari Cooper. And Cooper's another one of those guys that teams could trade up for. I mentioned earlier the Falcons 
have been aggressively on his tail. Hot to trot for Amari Cooper. Remember a few years back, Joe, they, they gambled and rolled the dice for trading up for Julio Jones. Worked out pretty well for him. So that could be a factor here in play. But let's talk about that number three pick, Dante Fowler, Amari Cooper, Leonard Williams, or somebody else. Where do you see the number three pick going? I've heard recent reports now that uh, that they may not even be looking at Fowler, but uh, I don't know. It's so tough to believe what Jackson. Jacksonville really is right. in a catbird seat. I mean, they could go a number of different directions. And right now with Justin Blackman, uh, you know, and his troubles, they got rid of Cecil Shorts. Who knows? Allen Robinson injured. What do they have in Marquise Lee? They would have a formidable wide receiver crew if they uh, took Cooper. But I'm I'm with Dante Fowler. That's my camp. That's my player. As far as the top non-quarterback on my board, he's just a disruptive beast when I see him play. I think he can play anywhere, too. That scheme versatility is what it's all about anymore. You want guys that it doesn't matter where you put, give me a helmet, I'm going to go mess something up or somebody up. And that is kind of the way Fowler plays. If he doesn't disrupt a play, he disrupts somebody's day. I mean, he just really uh, ruins offensive coordinators days and that's the type of players that Jacksonville wants I mean you think about Gus Bradley and where he comes from this is it seems to me to be that perfect fit not saying that Leonard Williams wouldn't be ideal as well I mean he he's also got a little bit of versatility where you can move him along but yeah Fowler is just so tempting and so deadly I'd I'd have to go his way Okay, well, I have Fowler in my final mock draft I posted on NFLDraftBible.com this morning. And for me, he's the number one overall prospect in the draft. Uh, That's just one man's opinion. But we're joined by Joe Everett, Rick Saratella, NFL Draft Bible Radio Preview Show. Getting my voice back a little bit better as we go, thanks to the good breweries of Chicago. Appreciate them. And now – Let's talk about number four becomes even more intriguing, Joe, because now if you go to the two quarterbacks and Fowler, all of a sudden Oakland at number four, who everybody assumed would take a wide receiver, now has Leonard Williams fall in their lap. If he's there at number four, I find it hard to believe they would pass up on him, a true or false. Oh, uh, totally agree. You, you keep him. In the same zip code, apparently Leonard Williams does not have a driver's license and doesn't drive a car. Well, don't have to drive too far to get from USC to, to the Coliseum or Oakland or wherever. But bottom line, um, I think they still need to get a receiver. And that's the, you're right, this is the real intrigue of the draft right here is in this top five because a lot of GMs are saying, you know, there are very few legitimate first-rounders in this class, Leonard Williams being one, but Amari Cooper also is one. So I think they've got to you know, keep those phone lines open and see if someone's willing to make the move for, for Big Leonard. But outside of that, I think if you're Oakland, you want to trade down, and they're the most likely team, by the way, to trade down. You want to trade down, you want to make that move back and either get Cooper or possibly Kevin White. They got a part with one of those two receivers uh, for Derek Carr, in my opinion. And, and, and really, they're in that captured seat, too, to make a move and say if they're higher on White, they could drop down a couple of picks and snag him. No, absolutely. Uh, Reggie McKenzie there uh, sitting on 
some valuable trades back there, and, and we're going to have to wait and see how it all unfolds in a couple hours from now. Uh, one of the most intriguing drafts is going to be an exciting. I see. I predict double-digit trades, maybe 10 to 15 trades in the first round today. Can't wait to see how it unwinds. And you mentioned the wide receivers. I was doing a spot on uh, Giants.com yesterday and talking about this is, I, I'm starting, and I, I, I don't remember how many, the exact number wideouts in my first-round mock. I would guess there's at least a good seven or eight, and I don't think it's out of a uh, real, realistic uh, possibility that we do see that number of wideouts taken in the first round, maybe even more. Who knows? But I was making the point that, yeah, the, the wide receiver class is stocked. There's about 10 to 15 guys I feel that can make an impact at the next level. But I have a feeling that if you're one of these teams in the first round that thinks you're going to just, you know, wait to round two and we'll just see who falls there, I'm not sure that it, I think it might be slim picking by time round two rolls around and the cream of the crop is going to be gone. Uh, you know, what's your assessment? What's your take on the wide receiver class, how many of these guys are going to go in round one? And are are the people that are waiting for that you know guy to slide in around two? I think you know, especially if you're not picking in the top forty, I think the impact wideouts might be gone by then. You bring up an excellent point of strategy. You, you know, of people that say, "Well, we'll just get somebody in round two. Well, by that back half of round two, I do believe those guys are going to be gone. You know, people that think they may get Doriel Green Beckham for character concerns, that could be that last pick in the first round, first pick in the second round. And then you just got so many borderline fringe players that are going to go top shelf second round or just at the end of the first, like Devin Smith from Ohio State. Where do you rank him? Where do you put him? And then, you know, Philip Dorsett and his speed, what do you do with him? Some teams are just going to be very much higher on him than others. So it's just a matter of apples and oranges at that point. And then, you know, Jalen Strong's also going to be gone by that point. So, yeah, I think that wide receiver needy teams, if you want a difference maker, it's going to have to be in the top 50 because, like you said, back half of the second round might be no man's land. I mean, possibly looking at Stephon Diggs. You know, Rashad Green might be there, but I don't know. Once again, yeah. apples and oranges. Some people are higher on Green. Some people are higher on Diggs. And, heck, all those names could be gone. It's uh, it's, it's a lot of quality right there and quantity in this class. Yeah, it's the year of the wide receiver, and that's uh, a lot of thanks to last year's draft class, the impact that they made. Now, maybe on a – NFL draft-related type of topics. Saw, you know, a uh, buddy of mine, you know, Chris Carter. And, uh, I don't know how credible it is, but he says he's under a gag order on the Adrian Peterson situation. However, uh, he believes something is going to happen. Now, uh, is this a smokescreen, or is there legitimacy to this uh, proposal? And what exactly is Adrian Peterson's trade value? I remember when Marshall Falk got dealt, they got a second and a fifth uh, in exchange for Marshall Falk. Adrian Peterson hasn't played in a year. Uh, one, what uniform will he be wearing at the end of the draft? And two, if he is drafted, what kind of value could they expect to receive? Purple Jesus, still going to be purple. 
And nothing going to change. I mean, especially after what uh, their GM, uh, Spielman, put out there in his press conference. I have a hard time thinking that he'd go back on what he said. It's Adrian's a huge part of our offense, and we're just looking forward to what we're going to be next year, and that's that, that starts with him. And, and also, I mean, just for folks to like to do a little bit of wager in here and or there, I can't find any more Adrian Peterson trade prop bets. They're gone, and for good reason. It ain't gonna happen. <laughs> it ain't gonna happen, man. I, mean, I think I think we're at that point too, to where there's so little established talent, uh, real stars there. Why would Minnesota like so close right now? They got to see if uh, that mix with Peterson and Bridgewater and Zim's defense is gonna happen. Because uh, I'm a believer. Very good. Uh, I'm just getting some news that came down the wire here just a few minutes ago. Lyle Collins will remain in the NFL draft, um, and he has uh, put off the investigation or the interview with police, um, or it's supposed to conclude by Saturday. I'm reading it here on the fly, but uh, the speculation is that he might not get drafted at all. So uh, what what an amazing blow to his draft stock uh you know, what a difference 24 hours can make from being at the draft, getting ready to stroll down that red carpet as, as a top overall pick, to now, uh, you know, going to camp as an undrafted rookie free agent and competing to make a team because you'll be on a short leash and, uh, you know, teams aren't going to cut you much slack. So talk about a change of, of events for Lyle Collins and talk about a game-changing podcast here on the NFL Draft Bible Radio Show. Joe Everett, Rick Saratella, breaking it all down just an hour and a half away or two and a half hours. I don't know. I'm in Central Time. I'm from the East Coast, people. Give me a break. I haven't slept. Uh, (laughs) You know, and I I do want to give a shout out to Chicago, though, because being from Jersey and being able to hop on the subway for, you know, two and a quarter and be in the draft and you know, shuffle back home at the end of it was really convenient. So when they first said the draft would come out here to Chicago, Joe, I was a little bit disappointed. But I got to say the city has embraced it with open arms. would not shock me at all if the draft is back here. If the draft has a new home here in Chicago, they've done a wonderful job. They've really made it the centerpiece, the focal point of the entire city. Everywhere you go, it's draft, 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 whereas New York, it was just an afterthought. And that's just the way it is. New York's a huge city. If you weren't in that Radio City vicinity and you were walking around New York, you'd have no idea the draft was in town just because there's so much other stuff going on. So uh, shout-out to Chicago. And being a New York, New Jersey cat, I actually hope that it stays here in Chicago. Looking forward to uh, the draft hopefully staying here now. Uh, We've been breaking down the latest news, the smokescreen signals, truth or myth, and, and red flag guys. And we, we kind of highlighted the top few picks, um, and some of the top guys are going to be off the board. But that number five pick at Washington, I'm kind of getting – it's hard to gauge. I can't really get my finger on the pulse with the Redskins, Joe, because they can go in so many different avenues. Obviously, they need a lot of help. There's a reason why they're picking number five overall. There's some talk here that Kevin White could be the pick. But I could see them going a couple different ways. Uh, I'm going to try to look back and see who I have uh, going in my mock draft. But at number five, with the two quarterbacks gone, Jay Fowler goes number three. 
Leonard Williams is number four, or say, you know, Leonard Williams or one of the wideouts go for, what's Washington looking at here? Which direction do you think they could go? Uh, like you say, it all hinges on four. If one of the wideouts go, you're looking at Leonard Williams. And Leonard Williams goes, I think they've got to be thinking hard about Vic Beasley. Uh, I, they really need pressure on the other side of uh, Iraq, or not Arakpo, but Kerrigan, with Arakpo being gone. And he actually provides, I think, a nice combo, whereas Kerrigan can do a number of things. He's a good run defender, power rusher. Beasley provides that speed rush and the real big edge guy that can win uh, in, in different ways that Kerrigan can. So I think that'd be a nice combo. But w- once again, yeah, if Leonard Williams falls in their laps, they run to the podium with that card. But more than likely, yeah. edge rusher couldn't wouldn't be surprised with Train Waynes either. But I'm looking at Beasley. That's uh, that's got to be in those uh, top five picks if uh, Cooper doesn't go to Oakland. And I think I had Beasley going to the skins in my first uh, mock draft that I put out this year. And pretty much based on the point that you just said, out with the old, in with the young, out with the expensive, in with the cheap, Vic Bursley, a cheaper, younger version of Brian Arakpa. So that would be a great fit. And if everything unfolds here like we are, projecting it to be and nobody knows because there's going to be trades and those trades and you know just rip up your mock draft now people if you think you got something good but uh you know that means the jets uh could very well be looking at one or maybe both wide receivers still available on the board at number six now they did bring in brandon marshall they do have eric decker in the mix uh jeremy curl is still there and they drafted jay tomorrow last year uh, it, does a wide receiver make sense for the Jets here? They did rebuild that defense quite a bit. Uh, where do you see the Jets possibly going with that number six pick? And this could be another potential trade down spot. Uh, you know, wide receiver isn't out of the realm of possibility. Uh, I mean, because really they, they, they've got a lot of guys that beat contested coverage and win in space, but they don't really have a deep threat. They don't have somebody that takes the top off. Well, they don't have somebody that can catch and run. Sorry, Stephen Hill. Right. But <laughs> sorry, not so fast, well, Stephen Hill fans. Let's tell me this, Joe. I mean, you put uh, you line up Marshall opposite of Cooper with Decker in the slot and Amaro and, and Curly. I mean, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Geno Smith, I would imagine uh, Matt Sims. It doesn't matter who's quarterback, and they should have some kind of success, no? Oh, clearly, that would uh, basically turn what was a weakness last year into an outright strength with the pass catchers. And really, it would give Geno Smith that legitimate shot and say, hey, kid, uh, we set this up. We surrounded you with players. If, if you can't get it done with these guys, there is a very good shot. It ain't happening elsewhere. So I think right. wide receiver is not out of the realm of possibility, especially when you got a blue chipper like Cooper staring at, at you in the face. If that happens, yeah, this is another case where uh, I think the J-E-T-S, S-P-R-I-N-T. <laughs> yes, sir. Joe Everett, Rick Saratella, NFL Draft Bible on location in Chicago. And, uh, you know, looking at the second half of the top ten, once you get past the Jets, Chicago, Atlanta, and the New York Giants 
all three of whom could use some help on that offensive line. My question here is, Joe, I have Scherf going number seven to Chicago. I don't think he's going to be there for the big blue at number nine, which I know a lot of people in Jersey are hoping for. But at the same time, I find it hard to believe that with all these knocks on Scherf out there about he's a guard, not a tackle, I don't believe that if that's the consensus, I find it hard to believe that if if teams are viewing this kid as a guard, I find it hard to believe he might be the first offensive lineman off the board. Now, he's the first offensive lineman, uh, top offensive line prospect in my opinion, but who is the first offensive lineman off the board and where does he slide in? I still think it is, Sheriff, but it's borderline top ten. I think he's going to be neck and neck with this Eric Flowers phenomenon now, which another guy, Eric Flowers, you might want to send a Christmas card to Lyle. <laughs> like, I'm sorry what happened, but I really appreciate the slide because right now I think Flowers is that buzz tackle that's getting pushed up, and he's the one that's vying uh, against Scherf. But I still think Scherf, with that versatility, once again, if you can play multiple spots, that, that just adds to his value. And I agree, he is more of a guard, but swing tackle, one of your starters is out. Worst case scenario, Scherf's your tackle. I'm not feeling terrible about that, but at guard, he improves the team immediately. But yeah, I think at Chicago, it doesn't really fit in terrible need because they've got Kyle Long, who's an established guard. Uh, And Slauson's not terrible right now. Chicago really needs a tackle. They need that outside guy that can play on the island, and I don't know that that's Scherf. So I think uh, Chicago might be want to look at Trey Waynes, but even if they did take Scherf, it wouldn't be a bad pick. I think that guy, more so than anybody, you could throw him out there and you're starting five, and he's not gonna he's not gonna screw the pooch. All right, Joe, I have a Rick Saratella here winding down with our NFL draft preview show. We'll be broadcasting podcasts all during the weekend. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at NFL Draft Bible, and of course for our latest video interviews. Now uh, to wind up and wrap down, Joe. I'm going to have a little bit of fun here with my mock draft since everybody loves to tell me how crazy I am. Uh, I've got to give you the chance to criticize me on here and tell me how crazy I am. Now, uh, I'm going to go through a couple picks. We don't have a whole heck of a lot of time, but I'm going to throw out some of my picks that are kind of off the, uh, maybe off the wall type of thing, and you just tell me, you know what, Rick, you're crazy, dude, or you know what? I can see that happening, and uh, we'll start off with one of the fast risers of the draft uh, leading up to uh, draft night, and that's uh, Nelson Aguilar, who I have now going at pick number 16 to the Houston Texans. Now, hear me out, Joe, before you call me crazy. I got Kevin White, Amari Cooper, Devontae Parker, and Rashard Perryman all off the board when Houston comes up, obviously they need some help there with Nuke Adams, no more Andre Johnson. Wide receiver, a strong possibility. Am I crazy, Joe, or do you see something like this happening? This is way too many wideouts. You're out of your mind. <laughs> no, I, we're going to be wideout heavy. And actually, you know I'm a big fan of Aguilar. Uh, when we were talking uh, 
couple podcasts back about surprise first rounders. You know, uh, now it's not so much of a surprise being it a couple weeks mm-hmm. later, folks. But Aguilar, I totally believe in. So I, I don't. I'm not against that pick at all. Uh, Houston makes some sense. He provided a nice compliment to to Hopkins, but still, I, I'm more concerned about Philip Dorsett. I I love the speed. Everyone's intrigued, but Kansas City well, needs a go-to possession oh, man. I yeah. I don't know that Dorsett's it. Okay. All right. Very good. So, all right, let's see what else I got up my sleeve here. Uh, here's a guy that I don't know how many people have him pegged for the first round, but I have Preston Smith from Mississippi State going to the Cincinnati Bengals at number 21, traditional 4-3 defensive end, pass rushing ability. How crazy am I, Joe? I'm not completely off the rocker, and you know what? I like the fit. As far as what Cincinnati needs, what they like, they like the long, rangy, uh, big frame defensive ends, and that's what Preston Smith is. He comes from a very good defensive college, so if you're looking for that surprise guy, I, I don't think it's completely off the reservation, but got to admit I've got a few edge rushers and DNs ranked ahead of him. I mean, you know, I'd like to see Henry Anderson there, but one thing I do, he's he's close. (laughs) One guy I love in your mock, though, uh, just real quick, Mario Edwards. I think you're right on in that. I put him in my first round, too. That Once again, it's another guy. He's a chess piece out there. The versatility is king in today's NFL defenses, and I I don't see Edwards in a lot of people's mocks, and that's when I Totally agree with that. I had to sneak him in my first round somewhere. I think I think some defensive coordinator is going to get up on the table and bang it hard for Edwards. Yeah, and I, you know, that was going to be my next question because you are the Indianapolis man, and uh, I, I like Ryan Grigson, his uh, his ability to find talent and be a little bit untraditional. So I'm glad to hear you're on board with my Mario Edwards first round selection at number 29 to the Indianapolis Colts. Last one before we wrap up. Yeah, I have Demarius Randall going to the Detroit Lions at number 23. I have Landon Collins sliding all the way down to number 32 and falling into the Patriots' laps. And it's just like one of those picks that people just throw their arms up in disgust, like, ah, they added another quality guy. And, you know, I'm not so sure Landon Collins does go in the first round, but the fact that the Patriots would be able to uh, be able to plug him in there Bill Belichick, obviously friends with Nick Saban. I can see if Nick Saban gives them uh, the official uh, endorsement there. Landon Collins to the Patriots. If I told you 32 over under, over under for Landon Collins, you're taking the over, the under, and how does he fit with New England? Are you on board with that? I'd like to take the under, meaning I think he'd go ahead of the Patriots pick. And, yes, it would be one of those picks. The rest of the league is disgusted that Nick Saban's protege lands in Bill Belichick's lap of all places. Uh, And I like the fit, too. On that defense, he would be able to do some great things. He wouldn't be needed immediately with Chung and Harmon up in line, but he could learn from those guys. Um, But overall, I think you're dead on the money as far as safeties goes right now. Now, uh, Randall has clearly surpassed Collins, and Collins is on a bit of a slide. And as you mentioned, I wouldn't be surprised if he he didn't end up in the first. I mean, some people may think it's a shock, but uh, not really. If you've been reading those NFL draft tea leaves like we have, I think you're ahead of the curve on that one. Oh, baby. Woo, baby. 
We're just a couple hours away, folks. Uh, Joe, we will definitely be in touch. We'll keep everybody posted uh, on our next episode, and we'll be covering the draft all weekend long. So uh, don't go anywhere. Keep it locked to NFL Draft Bible for exclusive nonstop coverage. Any last final tidbits uh, before we get kicked off, ready to go, and uh, get ready for the big day? Joe W. Everett at uh, Twitter. And also, uh, very soon, it's going to be dropping the Dynasty Top 100 for you fantasy footballers Whoa. out there. The Top 100 players ranked by me with write-ups uh, coming out very shortly so you can follow along during the draft. Now, is that going to be just offense, Joe? Are you going to throw some IDP on there? What can people expect? All offense, just the steel position wow. players for for pre-draft. So it's uh, it's, oh, okay. it's definitely in yeah. depth. Well, I know uh, all our fantasy football insiders, listeners are going to love to hear that and get their hands on that. So, uh, hey, my man, we'll be in touch, I'm sure. And uh, another great episode in the books. Oh man, it's Drasmus Eve. I can't believe it. Love it. All right, my man. That's Joe Everts. 